Matt Shelton, beginning of 2023, and may it be a happy one for us both and all of the Kiwis we love and care for. Are you feeling calm and clear going into 2023? Are you feeling that that there is a way forward for this, whereby you may be able to get your, your practice back, your ability to practice medicine back, Matt? Uh, oh, look, I'm, I'm still hopeful. I think I deserve to have it back. Um, I, I really don't think I've done anything that befits me losing my my medical license. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of feeling calm enough, but I'm just feeling generally very, very saddened and despondent for, you know, the true casualties of all this, um, you know, who, who are still being rendered invisible by the mainstream media um, and ignored by by most politicians that we've seen. Um, and, and, and that's the people who've been injured. And, you know, I'm, I'm saying this as a, as a concerned public citizen, uh, well, private citizen, sorry, um, but with the perspective of having, you know, nearly 40, well, over 40 years since I started my training that I can't just drop. Um, but I also have another life as a, um, a uh, well, I'm going to use the word specialist in, in nutritional medicine, environmental medicine, because I taught um, for 10 years at a postgraduate level. Um, and when I got my own fellowship in that discipline, I asked the medical council, um, could I please, you know, register that qualification so I could use it formally after my name. Uh, and they came back to me and said, well, actually, no, you can't, because we don't think this is relevant to your scope of practice, which was general medical practice. Um, so, you know, they, they, they can't have it both ways. They can't now say to me, well, you're talking about um, you know, the power of foods and, and the usefulness of supplements and things in the context of, of this latest bill, um, when you, you can't talk about medical things, because they said to me, well, it's not, it's not practicing medicine. So, you know, I've got that fairly um, sort of declaratory judgment, if you like, on my side. Give that important disclaimer we always put at the head of any interview with you or any of the NZD SOS specialists. Can you just say you are not here giving any form of medical advice at all can you reiterate that matt for your own protection yes yeah well well i'm not i'm not currently practicing as a doctor i'm not able to um and, and my you know my views are my own based on thousands of hours now of study and, and and research um and and they depart very much from the governments and you know we all know that ministry of health website is a source um of of information um but i do uh you know i do have the right to my views um, and particularly on this bill, which um, which you know has some some parallels with what's already happened, but I've previously submitted to the government when they tried the last time in 2016 um, to really clamp down on the use of um, vitamins, minerals, um, supplements, uh, special foods, you know, therapeutic foods, um, uh, you know, homeopathics, and 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 you know. Uh, cosmetics and and you know body products that use um uh, you know natural substances um which which you can all put under the label of supplements really um and and here we are again um but i think the looking at the bill uh which is uh, well, it's, it's hopelessly large and complex given the time that we've been given to make submissions and i can't think how you know your average mp is going to get their head around um the small print within which um there's a lot of room for some, uh, you know, really quite um, restrictive and, um, uh, you know, anti-health manoeuvres. So we can maybe start by by just, 
you know explain to people um that it's it's a um it's a sort of combination it's an opportunity for them to redo the medicines act um but to bring the same scrutiny and the same um level of of um uh sort of uh, you know testing and and um you know the same bar if you like that uh naturally occurring substances and therapeutic medicines um, derived from nature that we already use and have available um, as you would need to bring for um, uh, you know pharmaceutical medicines that are deliberately made to be different from anything that occurs in nature so they can be patented um, and then of course we have this whole new generation of um, you know biomedical um, sort of next you know sort of revolutionary really platforms um, that are so revolutionary that we've you know we've really had to learn as we go along about how they work um, and the possible dangers um, but I'm not going to talk to those um, but it's it's uh, very very kind of uh, I mean unfair is an obvious word to use um, but inconsistent you know illogical um, and and frankly hypocritical uh, to apply the same lens to um, vitamins minerals you know and most supplements um, as to medicines so it's it's seeming somehow to weaken the the controls over new pharmaceutical products and at the same time um really raise the bar um and restrict access um potentially and i think actually to uh, you know many many things that we take for granted as being um you know available to us um you know and, and many of which have proven their use um you know beyond any need to argue about it um and, and one of the things i would do when i was teaching which was largely to to doctors who qualified um and and other health professionals as well um what was to you know assess the strength of evidence um in support of their use and you know there are many hundreds of thousands of pieces of research you know linking most illnesses that you look at um with inadequate or imbalanced diet um or other um environmental influences on health um and and you know, you can compare the harm or the reports of harm from natural medicines, um, which, uh, you know, in, in in most years is basically zero fatalities compared to the, you know, the hundreds of thousands of people a year, if you just look at the United States, um, who die as a result of, of the medical system, um, you know, albeit with the best of intentions. Um, so, you know there are orders of magnitude difference in your risk of being harmed uh, and yet they're still they're, they're, they're trying to imply that the same level of um danger exists from natural natural medicines and the same scrutiny therefore must apply it's fascinating you use the word hypocritical because it seems to me on the one hand they say our natural remedies are not medicines you know we can't take them seriously but on the other hand we're going to completely control them. And, and if they're not medicines, why would they even want to include them in this? But it is, it is very far reaching. It's concerningly far reaching for these things that many of our grandparents and great grandparents took for granted. Give some examples just to bring people on board at how much this is going to affect every Kiwi life. It really is because we all use some version of these. What are some of the ones that stand out? Some of the everyday products that you were amazed to see included, potentially, or that could be included in this enabling bill. Uh, I, you know, that's a very good description, um, actually, because uh, there's a curious lack of detail or some some inconsistencies and, and sort of muddled definitions 
um, around, um, you know, what's the therapeutic food? Um, and one of the more sort of sinister things is that um, they're saying that foods from which certain um, therapeutic substances are derived um, can come under the purview of the act. Um, and many of, of our sort of, you know, really effective natural medicines are, you know, concentrates from foods that we all know and love and think of as being, um, you know, health foods anyway. You know, we hear a lot about um, turmeric and, and as an anti-inflammatory or containing anti-inflammatory chemicals. Um, cinnamon, um, you know, the, the, the uh, you know, dark chocolate, coffee, Garlic. you know, in, broccoli sprouts. Um, you know, and, and the really interesting thing about some of these foods and broccoli sprouts is, a, is a perhaps a good example, um, is that the, you know, the, the, the science, the scientific understanding of how and why they are actually so beneficial um, and why it is that you can take extracts and tailor them to people's or, or choose them based on people's unique um, genetic profile that, that is now very easy to establish um you know is 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 the manifestation of the promise of medicine that has always been which is that you know we will be able to tailor according to you your unique makeup your your unique sort of biochemical genetic strengths and weaknesses um you know a a, a unique um diet um so not just foods you should choose and perhaps foods foods you should avoid um, but you can take some of those things in a more concentrated form, but with provisos um, that are important uh, and use them um, for optimal wellness. And, you know, it's so much of this is about getting people back to their sort of nutritional and biochemical sort of optimal state such that any diseases or health problems that they have as a result of that imbalance, um, you know, may well improve. So it's not about claiming that you can cure X disease or Y disease with with supplement A or B, but it's about re-establishing, you know, an optimal kind of internal situation um, so that, that the reasons that you have the health issue, um, which often is just a call to attention or, or a um, you know, sort of a safety valve or a warning light on the dashboard flashing, uh, you know, becomes sort of sorted out. Um, because, I mean, if there's one thing I've learned over a long time, it's that, that, you know, many health problems are exactly that. You know, they are they're a sign that the body's out of balance or lacking something it needs or there's something going into it or through it or onto it that it was never designed for. You know, and our challenge is just to understand the meaning of the symptoms. But the pharmaceutical model, of course, disallows that. And, and um, you know, it's one symptom, one drug, essentially. Let, let's go back to that, Matt, because that's that lovely idea. For people who haven't grasped what that is, it's terrain, the terrain theory, as opposed to a sort of invader that comes in and does the same thing to all of us. Each of us has a different environment, a different terrain. Just explain that terrain theory, because once you get it, you really look at illness differently or, or dis-ease, lack of balance mm. differently. So talk about that terrain theory. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not a theory. It's no more a theory than, you know, the farmer looking at the soil to understand why the seeds don't germinate. You know, there are just basic, you know, facts of physiology and and chemistry and, in fact, physics um, that explain that, um, you know, I mean, frankly, when you look at how some people live, 
Um, you know, I'm amazed that they can get out of bed at all in the morning, but they can, but eventually they can't, you know, and eventually the body charges a price. And that price is a reflection of, of the things that the body is forced to have to do to keep going as long as it can, um, you know, in the face of the lack of minerals, um, essential fats, um, quality protein, uh, water, um, and in the face of, of you know eating things that that may be yummy and and come out the other end okay, um, but are, are having to be dealt with on the way through, um, in in ways that we're not we're not aware of in the time, but over the long term, you know the the, the consequences will show up. Um, so to bring that so down the terrain to everyday is the idea things, that we have this everyday thing. Someone who's who's drinking V instead of water every day. Someone who's having takeaways most nights instead of a bit of simple home cooked food. So heavy fats, maybe you know some of the denuded fats and pure, uh, poor vitamin and mineral content. Their body will will hold them up for a while, but but the, it'll sort of slowly implode like poorly maintained soil in the earth. A bit like that. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Look, absolutely. And and to pretend otherwise is actually to deny basic medical sciences. Yeah. You know, there are there are biomolecules that we have to get from the diet. We can make an awful lot of things from those biomolecules. But if we don't get them, or if we get things that are a different shape, because they're artificial, so the molecules are a different shape, we'll still try and make the things we need from those. But surprise, surprise, they won't work. So if you're building your cell membranes from from you know commercial fats. Um, and not fats found in nature, the cell membranes aren't going to work as well. You know, there, there are lots of differences in the sort of physical chemical properties um, that, that will translate into some, you know, some disease or other. Um, you know, and, and so often we tell our patients, um, well, you know, the cause is unknown. We don't know why X, Y, and Z. Um, but actually the, the causes may be different in different people because there are only so many ways that the body can manifest, you know, immune imbalance or zinc deficiency or magnesium deficiency or um, you know, an inability to digest completely um, certain foods. So, you know, you have these, these these partially digested foods going through that the body's still got to cope with um, and, and will, will, you know, upset the balance of your gut bugs uh, and you get all sorts of chemistry going on on the way through. And a lot of that stuff is reabsorbed into the body as part of the normal absorbing your, your, your nutrients. Um, so it, it's actually not rocket science to understand how the kind of terrain of the body um, you know, it, its ability to kind of, you know, maintain certain limits with it, within which it can work, um, you know, will we'll then determine what what happens to us, you know, what infections we get, how we feel, um, you know, how much energy we can generate, um, how we experience our lives. You know, all of these things, are, are, you know, come back to actually the, the physical health of the brain, for instance. Um, you know, we, we like to think that mental health and physical health are, are separate and we're so proud of ourselves for um you know understanding there's a link between the mind and the body now but actually you know there isn't a link because the body is intense that the mind is intensely physical it's the most physical organ we've got actually um and so any um you know deviation in the supply of the very exquisite balance of things that we need um you know and we're going to feel crap you know to put it in a non-scientific term um so i think we expect miracles and our body gives us miracles, you know, every day until it can't anymore. Um, and we run into, you know, solid sort of principles of, of um, you know, chemistry that that mean that, that you know, symptoms will, will, will crap out. And and the real insight, I guess, that I've had in the later parts of my career is, is the triaging, the, the kind of um, the troubleshooting that the body does in order to make hard decisions about where it has to start to withhold 
certain key things from that it's not getting enough of. Oh, explain that more. That's really interesting. It's such a clever, constantly rebalancing thing, the body, isn't it? Explain that more. Yeah, well, I don't want to get too far away from why we're talking about this. Um, but I guess the best example is, is minerals. And it's been shown using um, key minerals um, it, like calcium, magnesium, potassium, um, that as you gradually reduce the amount available, um, certain systems will just start to, you know, show trouble. Um, but, but you know, the most important systems, you know, necessary for life to continue day after today, day after day, um, you know, can still keep going until finally there's not enough for them either. Um, you know, and, and, and perhaps your good old fashioned, you know, multivitamin and mineral supplement um, that, you know, many people take. And it's estimated, isn't it? I think over half of New Zealanders um, actually take supplements. Um, you know, and, and there's there's really good evidence if you look at the individual um, components of, of some of these multivitamins and things, if you're getting the right doses, um, that actually you can, you know, you can go a long way to making up for, you know, the gaps in the standard diet, which for most people falls a long way short of the kind of the optimal amounts of plant foods and the right balance of, of minerals and essential fats that, that we've taken for granted when, when we've been living in, um, you know, prehistory. And of course, most of human history is, is prehistory. You know, it was just us living in the wild um, for, for, you know, tens of thousands of generations, um, during which we've become optimized to, to thrive with what nature provided. You know, so we're the result of the foods we eat. Um, so we can't suddenly dispense with all that and think it doesn't matter anymore. So being able to take, you know, targeted, um, you know, extra basic things like vitamins and minerals um, has a huge margin of safety. I mean, it really does. And in fact, legislation already exists to protect us from having, um, you know, having too much. And in fact, some people would say, you know, it's protecting us from actually having, you know, optimal amounts of some of these things as well, because, the, you know, the recommended daily amounts that float around are not about what's optimal, what's been shown to be the most preventive dose. It's actually the bare minimum you need to avoid an obvious deficiency disease, you know, and and, and deficiency diseases like scurvy, you know, and, and rickets and things like that are still occasionally seen in and New Zealand. scurvy is what, a lack of vitamin C, isn't it? A lack of enough vitamin C in the mm. body. You know, yeah, I, I mean, you just take the average Otago student, you know, yeah. you find all these <laughs> It sounded as if we were wandering away from the therapeutics products bill, but we're actually going towards it talking about this. I mean, I was told a story from overseas in an email from someone who has a salt room, which is a, a room full of salt crystals. It's, an, it's a sort of northern Indian tradition. And so they mineralize heavily in these salt rooms over there. They use them in Russia. And this email that came in said, I had someone who was on five forms of drugs, a 27-year-old after an operation. She was just becoming like an old lady, aging. Just what you said before, the terrain was so mineral and vitamin deficient that she was almost shrinking in front of their eyes, weakening, no life force at all. She did um, the salt room every day for five days and something called a hyperbaric chamber over there, which uses oxygen. So very good quality oxygen to help repair the cells and lots of minerals from the salt room. And within five days, she was a different woman. And now that was partly a story to say, you know, hope baby will as well. And all of those, all of those lovely things that come in from all around the world now because of the baby will story. But it does make one think what a different system of health we could have if we didn't say there's one way to health, which is pharmaceutical. And unfortunately, 
Matt, for this government that has been proven in the rollout of this whole um, response over the last two years to not be the one way to health necessarily, and a lot of Kiwis want other ways. This bill is going to limit the options for Kiwis. That's what it's going to do, isn't it? If I get sick, they're going to try to steer me in the direction of the pharmaceutical model, whether it be synthesized vitamins rather than natural ones or uh, the pharmaceutical option. It's it's going to sort of corral us, it feels to me. Would you agree with that? Um, I, I suspect that is an intention. Um, I mean, we're already regulated enough, I think. Um, and, and certainly this, this aims to up the ante by broadening further the range of products that will, will, will come under its, its control. Um, and certainly there's nothing in the bill that seems to protect um, access to a wide range of um, you know, generally recognized as safe supplements. Um, but a particularly alarming thing is the provision for a single person, um, a czar, if you like, that's gonna come from somewhere to basically make the final call on, on you know, which products we're gonna be allowed to get. Um, so of course that that opens up huge possibilities for for um, uh, you know who this person's going to be, you know what experience they have, what their agenda is, which which industry did they come from, um, you know, and we shouldn't have legislation that um, you know will play out according to which personalities are, are enabled by it or enforcing it. Um, so that that you know is sending alarm bells around the um, you know the, the industry. Um, but but if we can just quickly come back to um, you know the, the mineral side of things, particularly because of all of the the things that you can take, um, my view is that you know with modern life, um, which which provides you know quick and easy denatured foods um, where a lot of the minerals, uh, and I'm talking about things like magnesium, potassium, sodium, calcium, zinc, selenium, all of these things um, are removed to the so process. What was that, Matt? They're removed during the during the um, the production, essentially to extend the shelf life, because if there's nothing in them that supports, you know, even simple yeast and bacteria floating around in the air, um, you know, we, we can't necessarily expect to be optimally nourished with those things. Um, and and Linus Pauling, who got his Nobel Prize for his work on on vitamin C, near the end of his life, you know, he actually said that his biggest disappointment was that through all his experimental chemistry. Um, he was best known for, for, for vitamin C, and yet he thought that the biggest challenge um, and, and, and the biggest fixable cause of disease was actually mineral imbalance and deficiencies. Um, and and I, I, you know, you, you, you can't ignore them. And there are very many challenges on our ability to get enough minerals in the first place, but then to hang on to them, um, because we use huge amounts of minerals to digest and absorb the foods we eat. And if they're not bringing the minerals to the party, then it's it's a sort of minus sum game and le we're left the worse off. Um, and, and also the liver is a huge user through its need to metabolize and break down um, toxic things, which which also includes pharmaceuticals because the liver sees them as as toxins, obviously, because they're, they're, you know, they're not innate to the body and they're certainly not nutrients. So, you know, we use up a lot of, uh, you know, water and, and, and minerals, especially magnesium, um, uh, you know, and, and, and proteins that we have to make. Um, just to kind of keep going. And, and, you know, there's a view, and I think it's correct, that compared to our ancient ancestors that really just had to cope with, 
you know, the physical challenges of, of staying alive in the primitive, dangerous world uh, and getting enough food, but the food they got was food that they were designed to thrive on. You know, compared to those people, I think we actually have a greater need because of our exposure to, um, you know, all the things in our environment that actually work the body harder um, for, you know, probably higher levels of, of, of basic nutrients than they than they had back then now all right we're living longer than we've ever lived before um although that's changed actually in the last sort of five to ten years um provoked mainly by the sort of the the, the diabetes and, and obesity um consequences but but uh, you know the most re recent figures certainly since since covid and everything show that we're actually devolving now you know the straight line increase in life expectancy that, that we saw all the way through the 20th century has now stopped and actually seems to be reversing in, in the western world certainly um you know i think it's more important than ever that we you know that, that we can get what we need from um you know from the things we eat and that includes targeted supplements um so, and there is so, stacks so of evidence in support the of things like vitamin argument. c Let's just put the government's argument here, Matt. They're going to say, no, we'll, we may still give you those supplements, but they might be um, ones produced by the big pharmaceutical companies to exacting standards. We're doing this to be more exact, more careful, more uh, concerned for the public good. What's your answer to that argument? Well, look, the standards are pretty exact already. Uh, and again, I come back to, you know, the evidence that you can quote in support of the benefits of even something simple like daily vitamin C. Um, you know, most animals make their own vitamin C and, and our ancient, ancient ancestors, you know, going back 40 million years or so, could, you know, could make it. Um, so all of that is very simple chemistry and genetics, and it's all well understood. Um, but you can't patent vitamin C and every man and his dog can actually make and sell it. So there's no, um, you know, you're not going to get the the money to do the size of clinical trial and pay for it to be blitzed through every media outlet on the planet like you can with um you know patent pharmaceuticals but the you know the need for it and the chemistry behind it um you know, and, and the understanding of 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 the benefits and and the you know the risks as as much as they are um you know it's really very old news but one of the issues we have when we go and look um, is that most of the, the foundational discovery work and the research on all these things was done in the 50s, 60s, and 70s before the internet. Um, and medical journals have to pay to have their old um, pre-internet research, you know, archived. Um, so if you do a simple, you know, simple web, web search and things, you don't find these landmark sort of discovery, you know, earth-shaking, um, you know, bits of work that really should have moved medicine a long way on. Um, but ultimately, there's no money. Um, I mean, there is money in supplements, but supplement companies have to compete with each other on, um, you know, on the, the education materials, you know, on their marketing, but certainly on the quality of their production. You know, they they they're all GMP compliant. And since we unified with the the Therapeutic Goods Administration in Australia back in the sort of late the late noughties, I think, two thousand and whenever it was, um, well, around about two thousand, I think. Um, you know, re really, there you know, there shouldn't be any dodgy supplements. You know, and one of the unhelpful things that that I know I'm hearing from the industry itself, amongst sort of smaller players or people who are less clued up, is that oh well, this act might be a good thing because there's cowboys out there and it'll sort them out. You know, there aren't any cowboys. Um, you know, and if there are people, 
you know, dealing in dodgy contaminated supplements with heavy metals and things like that, you know, they're found out pretty quickly. Um, so I, I think we can rest assured that our existing framework, you know, is keeping us safe from harm from supplements. But I think, um, I, I think you know, minerals are very important. And the other area that, that really, really, um, you know, worries me that we're not going to have access any, to any more is, as I say, this ability to target our, you know, unique genetic, genetic makeup that may explain some of the health problems we have, um, you know, using food factors that uh, have always been part of the human diet and part of our existence, um, but just in a, in, a, in a more sort of scientific way and, and in, a, in a sort of capsule. Um, because Give plainly an example that would... of that, Matt. Give an example. Just bring it right down to what people might have on their morning breakfast table with their breakfast. A bottle of what? What are you thinking there? Again, sure. Well, I mean, a, a, a really good example that I want to make that also speaks to the um, the usefulness for practitioners, because many of these really important products are practitioner only. Um, because you know you 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 know you need to be able to to choose the right product for the right person, um, and and certainly you know you need your training um, to, to 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 do the most targeted good. Um, and and a good example that I would pick would be um, broccoli sprout extract, um, and the the kind of insights around the ability of um, sulforaphane and a few of the other compounds. Because remember, these foods are actually made up of hundreds and hundreds of, of, of compounds, um, which you can retain in, in concentrates of the food extracts. Um, whereas the pharmaceuticals that are copies of things that occur in nature, and still, I would say the majority of our medications are copies of things that already occur in nature. Um, but but they will look at that natural thing and they'll see if, see if they can figure out which is the key compound that is the most prevalent. Uh, and has most of the therapeutic effect. And then we'll figure out how to make a, a synthetic copy of that, which we can then patent and, and we can then market. Um, but, you know, if you look at the difference between, um, you know, broccoli, which has got, you know, hundreds and hundreds of compounds um, and, um, you know, taking, say, sulforaphane or something like that and trying to make a synthetic copy of it, um, you know, in the same way that, say, Prozac, um, was, uh, you know, a copy of one substance in St. John's wort. Um, you know, and St. John's wort has similar effects on depression to Prozac, but with, with a fraction of the, the, of the side effects and the potential for harm. Um, but you can't pay St. John's a wort. good example, because St. John's wort is an age-old remedy for feeling down, feeling low. Now, after, if this bill were to pass, we legally would not be able to say this we would not be able to say st john's wort is good for depression or or you know broccoli sprouts are good for this or garlic is great for the heart we would not be allowed to say that isn't it well we can't really say it now liz actually we can't really say it now um you know if, if i was a manufacturer if i was you know talking my own book and and promoting products um i would be in breach already of existing regulations you know you can't make medical claims for your supplements because then you're defining them as a medicine and and yes immediately they would go through the MedSafe um filter um and and you know possibly be chucked out um but in terms of just you know looking at the at, at the scientific literature that supports the use of all these different things in different conditions you know there, there, there's some of course you can you can point to to lots of good quality science um but but, but as an importer or, or, or a marketer you you've got to be very very careful and and the industry already knows this 
The therapeutic products bill seems just part of this massive censorship across freedom of speech, across across sharing of ideas, across open discussion. It is it is it is just another angle, and yet the irony, the upside down world, Matt, when we think that there has been something rolled out in the last two years that we know now has caused enormous damage across this country, sixty five thousand damaged Kiwis registered on the government MedSafe site. That is not even discussed in mainstream media. The government's doing nothing about that as far as I can see. And yet they're moving on something that causes negligible harm. Has there been any known case of, of damage, say, from vitamin C in the last in the years that you've been practicing? Do you know? Is there a reason for them doing this apart from profit is really where my question's ending up, Matt. I mean, that, that's the obvious answer to me. It's yet another slanted playing field or, or attempt to keep the playing field slanted in favour of, you know, huge behemoth multinational um, industries at, at the expense of, of you know, getting us what we, you know, what we have a birthright to really, you know, healthy food and, and, a, and a, you know, clean, happy, healthy environment to live in. Um, but, but, you know, your chance of being harmed by a, dietary supplement is, is very, very small. So in the US, um, there's this crowd called the National Poison Data System um, that, uh, you know, keeps a log of, of, of what's poisoning people. And, and in some years, you know, there are no reports, uh, certainly no reports of death from dietary supplements. Um, and, and yet, as I said at the beginning, I think, you know, there are hundreds and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who, who, who die from medical care. However, um, you know, expertly and carefully applied. Um, so, uh, you know, but but when there is an issue, you can bet that it's all over the papers. Um, so, I don't know, a decade or so ago, some um, foolish people, you know, drank lots of alcohol um, and took um, carver, I think, um, at the same time. And they, uh, I think there were some deaths. Um and it was blamed on the carver. Um, and yet, if you look at the evidence, it's probably, you know, the cleanest, um, least hangover ridden, you know, natural substance that is very, very effective for uh, encouraging, um, you know, undisturbed sleep and dealing with high anxiety and things. And in fact, you can still get get carver. I mean, there were some initial restrictions. And I think one, you know, one or two brands were, were, were removed from the market in different countries. Um, but, you know, these things are, you know, thousands and thousands of years in the using. And this is the other point about traditional indigenous medical systems like traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, um, you know, medicines. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, just because something's been used for thousands of years, that doesn't automatically guarantee it's safe. But, you know, if it was highly toxic, humans would have stopped using it. A long time ago and i'm not talking about you know brief periods where people put you know mercury in amalgams and used you know lead to line cooking ware um and, and or and two like years that. where a, where a certain thing was rolled out and coerced matt you know that hadn't been properly researched do you know what i mean well as you you, you can say that i i couldn't possibly comment but um, you know looking at, at you know the, the thousands of years of of of, of observation in in yes. you know the laboratory that matters most, which is the natural world and its use in humans, you know, and you have to remember that that medicinal herbs um, are actually just plants. They're edible plants that we've eaten, you know, for as long as there's been humans and plants. That 
became you know prized or recognized for particular benefits over you know a very long long time and this this practice and and distilled wisdom um has been passed down um you know through generations and generations of of, of healers and we st- we're very lucky to have that knowledge today i mean traditional chinese medicine recognizes something like 14,000 different herbs for their their you know particular medical properties and again, you could say that that many health issues are just because of a deficiency of of all these different plants that were widespread and were always in the human diet wherever you lived on the planet. You know there was an availability of a much broader range of plants, and we know that actually um, that than, than there is today. Not just because of monoculture and and and, and habit and preferences, um, but because most of the plants that were on the planet before the last ice age which only started was 19,000 years ago something were actually lost during the ice age so when we came out of it around about you know 9 10 11,000 years ago we we were actually left with a with a only a small proportion of what was previously available on the planet and a great example of this is um is cannabis and 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 the and the you know the insights the supposed discovery just recently of of the medicinal benefits of compounds that you find in the cannabis plant um but you know it turns out we have all these pathways in the body and in the brain especially that that really only light up properly when those molecules get taken in um but the fact we've gotten there speaks to the thousands and thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of years during which we obviously had access to foods with those compounds during which we've evolved the ability to really get you know, get some benefit from them. So, um, you know, you can use there, mitochondrial. There are pictures of, of the cannabis leaf in ancient, in in very old religious iconography. There, there are pictures in there are there are churches yep. that have pictures of of the cannabis leaf. It was a sacred, sacred plant. Actually, on that note, for all those people who do take currently, and I know some using it for sleep and anxiety, um, will will this be? We don't know. It could be brought in under this therapeutic products bill, which you alluded to earlier, is in a enabling bill, meaning we do not know how vastly this will affect the health system in New Zealand. This is the cunning of it. The law is meant to be certain. And they're about to pass a bill that is deeply uncertain because it puts all the hand, as you said earlier, all the power in the hands of one person who we don't know. We don't know who that will be. And we don't know what they will choose to limit the freedom of use of of certain things. So we don't know. We can't say if cannabis will come in under this. Can we, Matt? No, we can't, but it's a special case in its own right in that there are now prescription products made from cannabis. And thankfully, the you know the amount of evidence and the industry itself um, doing research is allowing the recognition, actually, of the therapeutic benefits. But uh, whether... You know, um, well, actually, in some countries already, you can you can go into Holland and Barrett in the UK, or Boots, or or, or places in, in in the US, and actually just buy cannabis products over the counter, seemingly without any regulation or without any controls when you buy it anyway. Um, but just to come back to the point you made, you know, it's not about the iconography of a few thousand years ago; it's about the fact that before nineteen thousand years ago, when the Ice Age started, which is nothing. In in um, 
evolutionary terms, you know, we were exactly the same and going back for hundreds of thousands of years before that in terms of our, our genetic relationship with the plants in our diet. Um, you know, you can make a case that actually cannabis type plants were profuse and would have been all over the planet. They wouldn't have to have been for us to evolve the response that we have now to some of those molecules. Um, so this diversity that was present for most of human existence in terms of the plants available, that went. Um, and of course, it's gone much more in the last hundred years with monoculture and artificial fertilizer and, and, and um, you know, the industrialization of food production um, and, 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 and things such that we, you know, we're really struggling to get the kind of, um, you know, the, the, the relationship with that the genome expects from a much smaller range of foods and if we further limit people's access to things in that come from nature that directly speak to our genes and how they are expressed and in what patterns um which, which is the promise of, of personalized medicine i really strongly believe this uh, and i suspect it's a huge threat or it's perceived as a threat to the pharmaceutical industry um which which doesn't make money by selectively limiting you know where its products are going to go based on your genetic heritage um you know i i i think well i mean to call it a tragedy if 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 we have these things taken away is to you know belie actually all the other ways under which um we're really under assault um certainly in terms of our physical health and ability to stay well um and it just you know the the, the coincidence in the, the timing if you like that we have this foisted on us um, when you know all sorts of other things are happening to our foods and our water. Um, you know, huge amounts of, of um, plant foods have just been removed in this, you know, bizarre deluge that hit Auckland. Um, you know, that's going to have knock-on effects for months and months. Um, you know, there's there's the shortage of eggs. You know, a fantastic source of of not just quality protein but but essential fats as well. Um, I mean, you can wreck all that by frying them, of course, but we won't get into that. Um, but, but, you know, it, it seems that certain things are being, you know, picked off and I may just be being overcritical here, but I think we've all learned to watch very carefully, um, you know, what is happening because, uh, you know, it's, it's more than a coincidence that, that the world is on, well, you know, ordinary citizens, uh, are being pushed onto and over a precipice where the basic things that sustain a happy, healthy life seem to be being taken away from us. You know, Hipkins, one by one. Hipkins has said he will slow down this deluge of legislative change that uh, Dern put in place, but we are yet to see this. And this therapeutic products bill, I believe, will be where the rubber hits the road. If enough of us get behind it and say we do not want state interference on what we have access to in terms of herbs and minerals and vitamins, just back off. This is none of your business, government. Go and go and regulate the big pharmaceutical companies that rolled out something that has had as that has injured so many Kiwis. And for those injuries, they will need these alternative products. So in that way, it also has a very poignant timing. However, I do believe Kiwis will get behind this. As overwhelming as it can be in moments, there are many Kiwis angry, up in arms, and willing to do something. So, Matt, what do you advise them doing? What is it they can do? Well, I think we've got to bellyache like mad. Uh, I mean, we've got to use the official channels that we're given. Mm. We have to lodge objections um, by, by going onto the site. Uh, we should sign petitions. 
Um, but, but more than that, we have to talk to people. We have to talk to our MPs. We have to go to our health shops. We have to talk to our friends and families um, about, you know, the implications of what stands to happen. You know, it, it has to be made relevant and real um, to the average guy in the street who, um, you know, and, and I said, you know, the average woman in the street, too, because this also stands to affect a wide range of, of natural cosmetic cosmetics, um, you know, and lotions and, and, and shampoos and things. Um, Massive implications for our children, for mums and dads to think, what will I be able to do if I can't give my child plenty of vitamin C if they need it? They're getting sick. Yeah, and, and 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 so we're not just opposing the therapeutics products bill in getting active, and making our voices heard. Um, you know, we're we're opposing the other things that are being, you know, slid through um, with no consultation. You know, stealing our water, um, co-governance, um, what's being done to farming, uh, and 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 you know, probably um, you know our money and banking and 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 our our very relationship with. Um, um, you know, our independence. Um, you know, we, we have to get active. And, and this is probably the most, um, well, it, it's the issue we've got at the moment. And I think people who, you know, are used to sitting around perhaps and, and thinking it doesn't apply to them um, and, and maybe quietly being grateful that other people are bellyaching on certain issues have to understand that this issue, um, you know, more perhaps than any other, apart from the, the one that shall not be named, um, you know, is really going to hit them hard um, in, in, in ways they might not have thought uh, in, in, in terms of um, what also may happen next. Because remember, this isn't just about natural products. It's about, you know, enabling and, and lowering the bar, it seems, for all these new biotech um, platforms and, and, and products. And we know what we're sort of talking about, um, you know, the... You know, foods are being engineered to make, you know, novel proteins that will affect the immune system. And we don't know this is happening. And yet regulations are being set up to allow them to be introduced. And, and, um, and at the same time, we, we can't have our vitamin C. We called this genetic engineering, Matt. A few years ago, there was a massive movement in New Zealand against genetic engineering. Now we call it biotechnology. But they're, you know, they're there but for another name go the same product and and it really is it really is time for mums and dads across New Zealand particularly those mama bears who will stand up and say that's not how I want to raise my children so you must stand up the fathers must stand up the grandparents who don't want this for our grandchildren must stand up this is for jabbed unjabbed right across New Zealand rongawai Māori for for our Māori brothers and sisters this is a unifying issue, I believe, Matt. Would you agree with that? Mm. Oh, I, I'd agree entirely, Liz. You, you, you put it very well. Um, you know, if we don't, if we don't stand up, um, then and, and the laws are passed, then opposing them subsequently um, puts us on the wrong side of the law, and we all know what that can mean. You know, even if we disagree with the law once it's passed, or we we didn't give our consent, um, you know, it's much harder down the line so I think we have to understand um and look we we defeated it last time you know there was a lot of public um public awareness uh, and the industry itself did a great job of, of making people understand what what could happen and the government um actually relented you know they saw sense at that stage but of course the whole thing's much more emboldened and and part of a much greater momentum 
of um, you know using laws to um, you know to change our lives um, you know beyond any ways that, that that we've well we certainly haven't consented but but we didn't predict or, or, or see coming. This happened in 2009, they had a go, 2016, they had a go, and now in 2023, this was only introduced on, really, on Christmas Eve. It was done very sneakily when we were all going on holiday, when we were all exhausted at the end of the year, and it's being rushed through for the first reading on February the 15th. So it's extremely covert and sneaky, which tells us already they're trying to do it under the radar, and that means attention here, everybody. Wake up. Your government is trying to pull a fast one on us. It's, to me, a great benefit that by their actions, they're showing us they are not trustworthy. More and more Kiwis are saying, this government doesn't seem to have my health interests at heart, doesn't seem to have my general interests at heart, and they seem to be willing to be very sneaky when they're meant to be my servant. They're running around doing things they haven't consulted me on. It's making Kiwis angry as far as I can see. I'm hearing a lot in, in my communication channels and people writing to me saying I'm really annoyed at what they're doing. Are you hearing the same, Matt? Mm. Oh, look, absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the buzzword that we're hearing a lot now um, is overreach. Yes. And I think it describes perfectly um, this, you know, departure from any kind of control um, you know, and the idea that that they're there to do our bidding essentially has disappeared. Um, they're you know a law unto themselves, making laws unto themselves, um, and and you know they've been emboldened to do it. Um, certainly, uh, and the thing that really saddens me is that I think some of our institutions have taken that cue as well. Um, you know, it, it may be a lot more organised than that. I've got no idea. I'm not privy to any of that. Um, but you know the, the the channels that we expect to be able to um you know engage with these people um you know no longer work and i'll come right back to the example of the htc you know right at the beginning of of us getting together um nzsos you know doctors really we just had questions and we were wanting advice and help as much as anything else um from people like the medical council and the htc and we wrote to the htc, HTC the health and disability commissioner mm. yes commission yeah, you know how do we stay on the right side of the code and yet at the same time follow the government orders that that there is to be no anti-vaccine discussion um you know how do we do that you know showing your willingness to be showing your willingness to be reasonable to listen to communicate to yeah. find a middle ground nzdsos has always done that but but the, the the point is, Liz, that they didn't respond. So um, you know, and it was that lack of response right at the beginning that immediately told us um, that well, we were all in trouble. But but that this this was this is something that you know none of us have seen before, um, and, and and that you know we really have to watch very hard what happens next. Um, so you know the the you know the norms in in so many ways the norms of our lives and the norms of our relationship with government. Um, have been trashed and and you know i think we should be very worried by that and there was a whole slew of stuff that was rushed through in those last couple of weeks uh, before christmas for sure um and, and i've been part of submissions processes um where you know it's been extremely clear to me um during say breaks in in hearing public submissions you know and, and, and listening into a conversation um, you know, between an MP and say somebody from a DHB, really clear um, that the decision had already been made, um, and that the public submissions 
well, obviously in this person's opinion anyway, um, just theater and the whole thing was a shoe in that would go ahead, you know, whatever was said. And I think um, it's important to call it public objections now because many people are saying words matter and submission implies the public submits and we are not making submissions to the Therapeutic Products Bill. We are making objections en masse, en masse. We all have to stand up. Yeah, that's frightening, that sort of pro forma, that sort of pro forma, uh, the theatre of having objections heard when in fact the decision has been made. I very much liked your suggestion, I think powerfully to say, turn up at your local MP's office. You said that earlier. Remind them this is election year and I'm in your electorate. And every day possibly try to talk about this with at least five people, if not 20 people. Get local groups going where you go door to door and knock and say, are you aware of this bill that will stop you being able to access easy, health possibilities and health freedoms where it'll be limited. And, and, and potentially I some foods, Liz, we must, we must run potentially some foods, the way the bill is written, it actually leaves it open for them to pull foods, certain foods, who knows how many foods, um, you know, under the purview of this act and to regulate and control them. It's ludicrous. People are talking about cardamom seeds, which are known in India for having therapeutic quali qualities and cinnamon, as we mentioned earlier. In fact, Matt, it seems that if anything is shown to have health benefits, they're going to try to claw it into something that we can only get through our doctors. And that that will severely limit or shut down the, the uh, natural products provision. I think it's a way of attacking natural health practitioners too. Mm. Um, you know, so 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 many people go to their naturopath or their herbalist, um, you know, for targeted help with with supplements for sure. Um, but I don't think that it's going to be left in the hands of doctors. There's been a trend going back more than ten years for more and more of the easy stuff to be taken away from doctors and given to pharmacists. Um, you know, there've been some very smart pharmacists in the Ministry of Health. Um, and not enough doctors fighting our corner. Um, um, you know, we, we've been left with more and more of the complex sort of chronic disease burden and, and, and complicated things to, to, to sort out. And I think fairly quickly, um, if this bill goes through, um, I think they will probably devolve the prescribing or, or, or the enabling of supplements back, back to pharmacists because pharmacists will do it more cheaply. Um, and pharmacists, you know, sell a lot of supplements. Um, Probably, you know, ballpark 30% of your average pharmacy turnover these days may well be from selling selling supplements. So is um, that a bad thing, think, Matt? Is that a bad thing? Some will say, oh, I'm fine. I go to my pharmacist. I'm, I, I trust them. What objection? Uh, well, not necessarily, except if, if the products, if there are a lot less products hmm. um, and they're a lot more expensive, um, then that's not serving the clients. Uh, and... You know, there's just yet more barriers. One of the reasons we have lost our freedoms that we may even have had in 2016 when this bill last came before Parliament is our mainstream media then was more open to articles discussing the pros and cons of the bill, whereas now they too are very collapsed into the government narrative and wishes. So we're not getting the balance that we had even in 2016 of debate 
it is very important that people research this. Where can they go to research it? Is NZDSOS offering good resource for people who want to be aware? Uh, well, we've, we've certainly stuck a post up and suggested um, people do the things that we've talked about here um, and tries to summarize our main, you know, main concerns. Um, but it's taking a long time to, to plow through the, the detail of this bill. Um, and I know that there are some groups that, that, that still say they're several weeks away from, from completely understanding the implications. And yet we've only got a couple of weeks. So part of the submission, sorry, not the submission, part of the objection, part of the instructions to our elected representatives need to include an extension of time. Now, that uh, objection is going to need to be in by the 15th of February, but part of that needs to be, um, uh, and, and one industry player suggested the 31st of March, and I think that's very reasonable, you know, to give us all another six weeks to really, you know, understand um, what they're about and, and what it may well mean. Um, but just to come back a little bit to the issue of um, where people are going to be able to get their um, the meds from, if they try and make them prescription only, and I think they'll do that initially, um, but I think a long-term plan will be then to devolve that to to, to pharmacies. Um, you know, most doctors haven't done nutritional training because we're, you know, famously we're not taught, um, you know, anything more than the bare minimum at medical schools, and that's still true. Um, I mean, in in the teaching I did in Australia, I think we, we reckoned that we'd had about ten percent of Australian GPs uh, and New Zealand GPs too through the training only. Um, and and you know, talking to many of those doctors, they you know, they would often say, look, it's taken me six to eight years to get here from when I first started thinking maybe I ought to know something about nutrition in order to do a better job or to make my job more more rewarding. Um, many of them got there through their own health problems, um, you know, fixing their own health problems through diet and, and, and things. Um, so the bulk of, of doctors, I don't think, are going to be equipped to really give good advice. So I would worry that the default advice will be what it often is already, which is, oh, there's no evidence for supplements. Well, it's like saying there's no evidence for oxygen or water. You know, um, it, it's, it's it's a sort of dismissive comment that that is supposed to have kind of a weight of wisdom and authority behind it. And it's actually just somebody defaulting to somebody else's view um, so that they don't have to spend, you know, time and money learning a huge area that actually underpins, you know, a lot of clinical medicine. And and honestly, Matt, doctors all swear the Hippocratic Oath, which is first do no harm, which is a very salutary oath given what's gone on in the last two years. But Hippocrates himself said, let food be thy medicine. He knew, he knew our food is our medicine. Mm. But pharmacists equally are not trained in, in nutrition. Naturopaths are deeply trained in nutrition. So you're saying all of that could be or, or could be steered away. This is the unknown. We're really surmising because so much in this bill is uncertain. It simply is an appalling piece of legislation in that we really don't know the extent of the powers of this person and how draconian it will be across this country on those grounds alone, without all of the rest that we've discussed tonight. I would say turn up at your local MP and say, I am not happy with this bill. You are to vote against it. But back to your point, you are to at least vote for an extension until the 31st of March before the first reading. That's what you're asking. Is that right, Matt? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, that is right. Yeah. That's a really important point. What are your what are your final points on um on this? And then I briefly want to talk about 
the numbers of people that NZDSOS is aware are being injured and dying suddenly. If you can allude to that before we close tonight, but what are your final points on the therapeutic products bill that people need to be aware of? We've said what they can do. We're begging you all to help. What else is in there, Matt? Okay, well, I'd actually just like to say, look, there's always a bigger picture. Um, and there's actually a much bigger picture that has some parallels um, with what's going on here, um, with what's been happening um, at the WHO in New York in the first few weeks of this year. And that is the, um, the, the, the preparation of what are called the international health regulations, um, that all countries that are signed up to the WHO, which include ours, um, will be voting on in May. Um, and I think all they'll need is a simple majority to ratify them. And what's in there is absolutely hair-raising in terms of the power that um, you know this unelected organization um, will, the further power, because it's already probably um, explains an awful lot of what we've been objecting to here in New Zealand um, with, with the pandemic management, um, but the power essentially to, to um, you know, impose you know, horrendous controls and limits and um, treatments um, you know, literally, we we can be um, forced to take medications. We can be removed from our homes um, under the rules as they are being written right now. So, you know, it's like the therapeutics products bill on on absolute steroids. And I think there are, you know, the, the obvious parallel is, you know, the erosion in our rights to expect, you know, a free and happy life. Um, relatively in control of how we wish to live um and and the who can just declare at its own um leisure that there is some sort of pandemic um and we've already seen through covid how the bar has been dramatically lowered in terms of what they define as as you know the the type of illness that justifies the imposition of these swinging controls on our life um, you know, it was never more than, um, you know, a nasty flu. Now, that's not to belie the fact that nasty flus kill people. You know, we know that. Um, but just, just to come to your, your final question, uh, it's not possible to know the exact numbers, um, not least of which because the government is refusing to investigate. And all the mechanisms that would, you know, raise red flags um, are, are being ignored or not working. It's it's as simple as that. And the media are doing their part in, in flatly ignoring um, any stories around young people dying suddenly, children dying suddenly, older people dying suddenly, but in good health um, and, and, you know, unexpectedly with no other explanation. Um, the 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 coroner system, the number of pathologists able to do PMs, that was already under stress even before two years ago. Um, so we are not being properly served. The public is not being served um, by the sort of people who should be the sentinels and the early warning systems when things go bad. Um, the government's own um, monitoring system, you know, the CALM reports, um, you know, it's capturing a fraction of what's actually happening because it was never designed or intended or funded or staffed, you know, resourced in any way to actually function um, in a 
you know, in a, in a clinical trial with a brand new treatment. Um, you know, it was only designed to pick up unexpected problems after full clinical trials and then the full approval for general use of, um, you know, new drugs that had been through the usual five, 10 years or more of clinical trials. So it was always going to fail. And, and we say it is failing. And yet it is showing signals. You know, there have been more reports of harm than ever before. And yet we're still told there is nothing to see here. And um, all cause mortality, all cause mortality all around the world is way up, way up above the norm. That has to wake people up, surely. Your reference to WHO, let's remind everybody, Matt, the main funder of the World Health Organization is not a country anymore. It is the Gates Foundation. Mainstream media, Matt, I believe more and more this lies at their feet. They are holding the lie in its fragility as more and more people see through the lies, see the government is lying to them, see the government is willing to hurt us. It is mainstream media's silence at whose feet this lies now because by staying silent, they are allowing this vast hurt in, in societies across the world, but here in New Zealand. And I would remind every mainstream media person, there's a story there. Why is WHO funding the calling of a pandemic, the changing, the stringent WHO pandemic treaty, and yet Gates Foundation will be a massive beneficiary? That's a story for a good journalist. But it's heartbreaking to see mainstream media stay silent. Have you, as NZDSOS, often alerted them to these tragic stories that are coming into you? Yes, we we send press releases out, you know, probably once a week. Um, you know, with our with our posts, um, they you know we we've we've done the old interview. Um, they you know they know where we are, um, but you know we, we we spend more time actually trying to communicate still with government and the police and and the other agencies. Um, you know, giving them you know giving them the names of people that. Um, they've got to go and investigate properly. Um, and what OIAs have uncovered about the very cursory um, sort of assessment process that goes on within some of these committees when a, a death report comes in makes your hair stand on end, absolutely makes your hair stand on end. Give us an example, Matt, before we go. Give, can you give an example? That's an Official Information Act request. Yeah, well, I think you interviewed... Uh, Sue Gray at one point, she she got some replies back, um, which uh, where they gave the sort of the criteria by which they would um, attribute a death to the vaccine. Um, and it was around whether or not what the person had died from was already a recognized side effect of the vaccine, in which case the attitude was, well, we already know that you can get this side effect. So there's no point frightening people. Um, and if it was a new condition that wasn't already known, then the attitude was, uh, well, this isn't on the Pfizer data sheet of known side effects, so it can't be, we're not going to attribute. It's um, and, and we also know that, that their, their, once, their once monthly meetings um, were only interrupted by extra emergency meetings um, in response not to new clinical data or a new death, but to um, public concern or something in the media. And then they would get together. So um, I'm not speaking out of turn. This is all public domain information, but you're absolutely right. You won't read about it 
in the papers or or, or you know the the chosen chosen few websites where everybody gets their news on the telly. To those in the media from Paula Penfold, who I used to work with on, these are your children and your grandchildren who will be affected by this. I, I begged you outside the baby will case to think on that. You as individuals are holding this up. If you start telling the truth, this can crumble and you can begin by telling the truth of the horrors of the therapeutic products bill. It is truly an horrific piece of legislation and it must be stopped. Matt, your final thoughts tonight. How would you like to finish this wonderful, as always with you, a very discursive, wide-ranging, enlightening interview? How would you like to finish? Uh, well, I'd, I'd certainly like the whole thing to finish. Um, you know, we, we've called consistently from the beginning for these jabs to be stopped. Um, and, you know, I will warn the government and I will warn the media um, that there are now people who have been bereaved and have lost a young person who, as the first anniversary passes, and is behind them, um, you know, and it seems remarkably, um, it, it's obviously significant, but it's quite consistent too. You know, there are people who are brushing themselves off, they've survived the worst year of their lives, and they're starting to ask what the hell happened, and I'm not happy with the explanation I was given, and I'm discovering that there are other people like me, or lo like my family. Um, you know, I'm not the one in five million, that was chosen to take one for the team. You know, I'm one of potentially hundreds and hundreds of people for whom there is no satisfactory explanation as to why they suddenly and unexpectedly and shockingly died. So I want it to stop. And while I'm still breathing and upright, um, you know, I'm going to try and do my bit. And I know there are many, many other people who feel like me too. Um, and you're obviously one of them. And I want to thank you too, um, Liz, for, for just giving us a voice. And, and and you know your own your own work too. Thank you, Matt, and how how beautifully articulately put that was. And when you said that, I I can only think of Julie, who I interviewed, whom I interviewed a few months ago, and it's coming up for a year since her twenty three year old Liam died. And I spoke to her yesterday. The you know it's just one family suffering at such an acute level of of human pain and asking those very questions. And Julie saying to me, I will not rest now until I get a coroner's report. I wanted to deal with something there before we go. This is my last question to you, which is I'm very concerned that some people are taking uh, a supposedly cheaper option with the burial of those they love. Uh, it's, it's a cremation that costs around $800. And funerals can be very expensive and money is very tough at the moment. Plus, people are dealing with shock. So they may assent to a cremation come to regret it. I feel, Matt, it's very important that they have the bodies of their loved ones embalmed. And to me, as someone who is in law, it feels logical because if you want to come back and investigate, the body is still extant, albeit in the ground. Where do you stand on that, Matt? Well, I mean, it's certainly an absolute, isn't it, that once somebody's been cremated, um, you know, it's not possible at all, ever, to to do any more examination of the body because there's nothing left. Um You know, and that, that's, you know, it's awful to have to say in advance if you find yourself in the position of having a loved one who has died unexpectedly or suddenly or something very rare or unusual. Um, and, and you, you know, you want to make sure that, that somebody properly rules out any 
extraneous causes, if you know what I mean, um, you know, to have that conversation in advance. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Who imagined in their lifetime that we'd need to do that sort of forward planning? And yet it is happening to people. Um, so, you know, I, I think cremation is becoming a lot more popular. And, and there's certainly been some cases that we've been involved with where relatives say that really before they really had a chance to catch their breath and understand what was happening, um, there was a cremation. Now, this is anecdotal, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying this is a deliberate strategy by anybody. Um, but, you know, there are enough other, you know, very bizarre um, coincidences, if you like, that we've had to swallow. Um, that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm suspicious that it's very suitable to the authorities to have, you know, have lots of people cremated who've died suddenly. And we've seen in the Coroner's Act, the amendments to the Coroner's Act, um, you know, a dramatic um, loosening of the, um, you know, the requirements to understand exactly what's happened to somebody when they've died. Um, and many people put in their um, submissions, and that's the word we were all using then. Uh, I mean, I did, and, and, and you know, we all did, um, and yet it's just gone through um, with as if nobody stood up and said, "Look, you know, you stand to, to be potentially sweeping under the carpet, um, you know, responsibility by um, you know removing coroners from having to." investigate the deaths of young people who've died suddenly. And I'm getting the same anecdotal evidence. There are not enough coroners. The system's under pressure. There are vast waits. It takes someone like Julie saying, I'll wait five years or 10 years. I don't care. My son is going to have a coroner's report into his death. That woman... But that doesn't end things, though, Liz. No. That, 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 you know, just, just because you get a coroner's report, you know, sadly, coroners aren't always right. Um, you know, we've known this before, you know, there have been, you know, re-examinations and, and further reports and things. And we have this peculiar issue in New Zealand, um, you know, and this, this will probably get me in even more trouble than I'm already in for pointing it out, where the coroners are only lawyers. Um, in the UK, where I trained and, and lived the first bit of my career, they could be doctors or lawyers. And the doctors were very important because they had the perspective, um, you know, they had different radar, different antenna. Um and, and, you know, here the coroner's default to the pathologist's report, if there is one, you know, if they can't find a doctor prepared to sign a death certificate um, or, or they don't, or, or they direct there has to be a post-mortem, um, then, then there has to be a post-mortem. And, you know, pathologists are doctors too. Uh, and, you know, we we have spoken to people who've said, look, you know, this guidance from the medical council that we are, a to all be vaccinated and B to to sing from the same hymn book and, and not to rock the boat applies to us pathologists too. Um, and that's an awful, awful thing to hear when you know it it, it comes to the, the you know the importance to the community of discovering what happened, you know, what's happened to the people that die amongst us. You know, that 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 need for the community to understand, you know, it's it's a thousand-year-old common law principle, you know, the job of the coroner. Um, you know, the community needs to be alert if if there's disease or poisoning or violence or, or neglect or something going on. Um, and we put all these questions to the chief coroner. Um, you know, it was yet another agency that we didn't get an answer from. 
um, you know, th these are very basic, important principles of, of law and, and, you know, medical legal law, certainly. Um, that and again, medical legal suddenly ethics. are up for negotiation. Absolutely. And principles of ethics. We used to be fastidious about those reports and it has become so slack. So advice is please prefer embalming to cremation if you possibly can. But Matt, I, I will finish now. We could really talk for another hour easily, except to hear you say, oh, this will get me in more trouble. There was nothing in what you said that was other than statements of fact. And it is appalling to me to think that they are still pursuing you or going after you for simply giving. You should be in a free society where you can give not only statements of fact, but statements of your opinion based on your educated world view that we so many of us value so much, Matt. Please, um, let's have another update soon. If they come after you, if they pursue you, I would love to follow that. And let's, if we need to, get it overseas because this has to stop this pursuit of you. You're a very valuable resource in our New Zealand society. And I thank you for all you do, Matt Shelton. Uh, thank you, Liz. It's been a pleasure.